What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the post-grad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. I am Kylie. I am normally joined by my co-host, Anya, but this time around, I am doing a solo episode And truthfully, it's an episode that I'm pretty terrified to be recording. And I've hinted at this in a previous episode. I talked about it as a week in review just to kind of prime this conversation. But I did decide to take a leave of absence from law school. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, and for those of you that are new, I was a first-year law student at a law school in Boston, and I decided to take a leave of absence at the end of my first year, and I will get into kind of the background of how this idea really came to fruition, kind of my own mental health during this time, and where I'm going from here. So I did write up like a little script like Anya and I normally do. However, you know, I do want to be very like candid and raw, so to speak, in this episode because I think it's really important to shed light on the fact that like at 18, 22, 23, like it's totally normal to number one, not know what you want to do with your life. And number two, to realize that the path that you are on may not be the right one and a pivot might be more beneficial to you in the long run. I think this is something that is becoming more accepted, kind of pivoting and making these bigger choices, but I do still think it's incredibly scary. I'm terrified, but I'm hoping that if I can share my story and kind of what's getting me through, then maybe it can help anyone out there who is also thinking about making a pivot but might be too afraid to. This is your sign to make that pivot if you want to, but I do want to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode because as I said, I'm going to talk about mental health, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. So if any of those are triggering for you, you may want to skip this episode. I totally understand. Protect yourself, protect your peace, and we will see you next week. But yeah, just want to get that out there. But first, before we dive into this conversation, let's do my week in review. This week that I'm recording is the last week that I have off before starting full-time work again. So to give you some context, I took basically the last three weeks completely off and just like really reset. I spent time with friends. I'm fully vaccinated now. So that like timing worked out really great. So I was able to spend time with friends, spend time with family and spend time with myself and just really recharge. So now I feel like I'm in a much more rested place to be able to pick up the pieces and figure out where to go from here. But as an immediate, and I'll kind of get into this later in the episode, I do have a job lined up for the summer uh, so that at the very least while I'm in the the weeds of my job hunt, I have a source of income. So yeah, I actually start work tomorrow when I'm recording this. And that's also when I'm going to start really like diving into the job hunt. Obviously not being in school, I need to find a full-time job. And so that is kind of where I'm at right now. And as I said, I I don't want to say too much right now because I'm going to get into this a bit later in the episode. But that is kind of what my week has been looking like. A lot of movies, a lot of YouTube, a lot of just spending time with family and friends and it really has been so so nice and I definitely feel a lot more like 
myself again, which has been a really relieving feeling because as we'll get into with the episode, I just haven't felt like myself for a very long time. Coming out of these three weeks, I'm very happy and relaxed. Got that R&R that I needed. So now let's move into my favorite. So this favorite is very weird and arguably very niche, but I think it'll, I hope it'll be useful. I don't know. I feel like if anyone listening needs this information, they really need it. But I just recently had a flare up of canker sores, which from my understanding, there's like a genetic element with canker sores where some people are just more prone to getting them. So for example, in my family, myself, my mom, and my older brother get them all the time. My younger brother gets them somewhat and my dad never gets them. So I think there definitely was like a genetic pass down from my mom to me and my older brother especially, as opposed to like, I know I was talking to Anya and she like really doesn't get them at all. So there must not be that genetic pass down in her family. But I learned that they're actually more likely to affect women. And that's why I decided to like bring this up because who knows, there might be some women out there who are, young women especially is who this affects, who need some relief. I hear you, sister. So I had eight (laughs) canker sores at once. It was awful and most likely a physical manifestation of all the stress that I was going through. But needless to say, it was pretty miserable. So I did want to mention I was using the Oragel mouthwash. I don't know. I think that's just what it's called, honestly, but it's in like a white bottle with a blue label. I will say this mouthwash helped relieve the pain of the canker sores for me. You literally use it like a normal mouthwash and it definitely like numbed the area for longer than like the Aura Gel topical gel does. Uh, So I highly recommend that. Unfortunately for me at least, I didn't notice this mouthwash help in speeding up the process and I did find, and I don't think this was the mouthwash's fault, but when I started using the mouthwash, I had about five canker sores in my mouth. And like I said, I ended up getting eight of them. So I don't think that the mouthwash did that, but I don't necessarily think the mouthwash helped heal them in any sort of way. So I ended up going to my doctor and this is the real favorite is just, especially with something that uncomfortable and like If you need to be told that eight canker sores in your mouth is like a pretty serious thing that's like worth getting checked out, like I'm here to tell you that. But they ended up prescribing me a steroid rinse and guys, (laughs) this thing was magical, magical. I'm very lucky that like my doctor doesn't think these canker sores resulted from any sort of like underlying health issue. We really do think it was stress, but I'm glad I went to the doctor anyways to get that opinion because I'm sure there are underlying health issues that could lead to this that you definitely want to check out. But he prescribed this steroid rinse and it is just the biggest lifesaver. So even if you're not concerned about an underlying issue, go to your doctor because now they have like record that I have canker sores and I still have some left over. My, they're all gone by the way. I waited to record this episode until they were gone because I was having so much trouble talking. Yeah, so they're gone and I still have like most of the bottle left. So I'm just really happy to have that on hand the next time there's a flare up. And yeah, this is your sign. Like I said, it's more like to affect women. I don't necessarily know how many women I'm reaching with this specific issue, but you may know if you've had canker sores, like they're pretty brutal. So I know I was scouring the internet for ways to relieve them. So if this is helpful to anyone, that'll be good. But yeah, let's hope that I don't get eight canker sores at once again. Let's hope that really was just a stress manifestation and that I'm not so stressed out. 
that I get that many. But now let's move into the episode about why I took a leave of absence from law school. So again, just as a reminder, I will be talking about mental health, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. So if you didn't leave the episode before and you're still questioning whether or not that might be triggering for you, definitely click out now. But yeah, just try to protect your peace, do what you gotta do. Let's just dive into the background and how I decided to make this choice. So for those of you that have been listening for a really long time, you will know that after my first semester, I put out an episode called Why I Almost Dropped Out of Law School, or no, I think it's called I Almost Dropped Out of Law School, parentheses, and why I still might, which, spoiler alert, I did. But in that episode, I just really talked about how the first semester was pretty hard for me. And I was struggling with my mental health, and I was really just struggling with whether or not I wanted to continue to pursue law school or if I made a mistake in pursuing law school. And I ultimately ultimately decided at that point, because I had done so well in the first semester, to continue law school, continue on to the next semester, and see how it goes from there and implement, you know, therapy and journaling and mental health practices to help relieve some of my anxiety into the second semester. So kind of backtracking a little bit, I think that I, as is evident from that first episode and will probably become even more evident now, was dealing with a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome, which is pretty normal for higher education, honestly, in general, but especially grad school and professional schools like law school, it's very normal to feel imposter syndrome. And my understanding of imposter syndrome is it's this feeling that you don't belong or don't deserve to be somewhere. So like with a law student, you may feel like you don't deserve to be in law school. There's no way you're smart enough to be successful in law school. You don't know how you got there. And then depending on how you do grade-wise, you may be like, there's no way that I'm smarter than XYZ people. Like, yeah, imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. It disproportionately affects high-achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Many question whether they're deserving of accolades. I'm not saying it's a good thing to deal with imposter syndrome and like you definitely should address it if you're feeling this way, but I think it is pretty typical. And so that, I mean, started from day one of law school and I wasn't exactly surprised that it began, you know, so soon and that I was experiencing it because everyone was experiencing it. Like it's totally normal. But what I will say is that over time, once the dust settled, and the first time I remember really feeling this way was around October of 2020, I had this feeling that I just wasn't myself anymore. And it was a feeling that went beyond imposter syndrome. Like it wasn't just a feeling of like, I don't deserve this. I'm not capable of this or anything like that. It was a, I, the things that I love, the things that I enjoy, the things that make me, me, I'm not making any time for them. I'm not doing them. They're not bringing me joy. Like I just didn't feel like myself. And I remember, and I think I talked about this in uh, my last semester wrap up, but I went to visit some friends from undergrad and in this was in October and I spent the whole weekend just feeling like a buzzkill like everyone asked me about law school and I was like oh yeah it's okay feeling miserable and I was so tired and burnt out that I felt like I was no fun and I spent the whole weekend really stressed and paranoid about all of the work that I would have to do when I got back home and when the weekend was over and I just like I didn't like 
who I was. Like I was just this buzzkill who prioritized law school over everything in her life. And that just wasn't me. I think something that I did pretty well in undergrad, and don't get me wrong, I wasn't perfect at this by any means. And I had my moments, but I think all things considered, if you looked at my undergrad career, I did a pretty good job of balancing work and life. Like I worked really hard in undergrad. I did a lot in undergrad, accomplished a lot in undergrad, but I still had so much fun. And I recognize that in law school, it's just the nature of it to not have as much time for life. Like that is the nature of going to law school. I'm sure people in med school are saying the same thing, PhD programs, like whatever it may be, but there should still be some life And it felt like there was no more life for myself outside of law school, whether that was my fault or the pandemic's fault or my particular law school's fault. I don't know. But that's how I felt. And I just slowly felt myself slipping away to be this person that I thought law school expected me to be. So I got my grades back for first semester. I kind of rode that feeling out because I was like, I need, like, I'm going to finish the first semester and like see what's up. Got my grades back and I did really well. And I was like, I have to keep going. Like I would be crazy to leave law school. Like even if I hate it, if I'm doing this well, I mean, for the love of God, I got a 3.9 GPA. I won awards for the highest grade in two of my four lecture classes. Like I would have been crazy to drop out. So I kept going. By the time March rolled around, that marked a year of me doing school completely remote because I graduated in 2020 and I did from March until the until I graduated college completely remote. And then I did the first semester completely remote. And now I had the first half of second semester under my belt completely remote with one other half of a semester to go. And I think that the thing about law school, and again, I mean, I can only speak from like the law school perspective, but I assume that this is pretty common, at least in like med school, if not all graduate schools, but law school especially is notorious for being just incredibly taxing and time consuming and stressful in normal settings. I mean, if you did a quick Google search of the mental health statistics of law students and lawyers in general, like they're pretty dismal. So, and that's in normal settings <laughs> outside of a, an entire pandemic and a year plus long quarantine. And I think that quarantine only made it harder for me, at least, to set boundaries of when it was school time and when it was lifetime, as well as it made it easier to feed into the competitiveness and the toxicity and the taxing nature of law school because there really was no excuse or at least it felt like there was no excuse for me to not be working on law school especially because law school is graded on a curve so your grade is directly impacted by how other people in your section do and if you know that other people in your section are working harder and working more then you at least think that they are going to do better than you it's not always true but that's how it feels And so I just got to a point, you know, when I decided to take this leave, I had been looking at since March 1st, I just had to take my leave at the end of April. So almost two months, I had been working from 6am 
till 8 p.m. every single day. And this is another trigger warning. I am going to talk a little bit about like weight and eating. So, and I forgot to mention that at the beginning because I kind of forgot about this. But if that triggers you, definitely exit now because I am going to talk about that a little bit. I, yeah, so I had been working from 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. every single day. I had lost 15 pounds without even trying. I hadn't been working out. I lost 15 pounds because I just wasn't eating uh, because I didn't have time. And I was just so burnt out because obviously who, who can do that? Like no one can sustain that lifestyle no matter what. Like no one can do it. And so no wonder I ended up where I ended up. Yeah. So I think all that is to say that like I think the pandemic did not help my situation at all. And I think being in a pandemic is part of the reason why I took a leave of absence as a opposed to a withdrawal because I guess I should have explained the difference between a leave of absence and withdrawal. So a leave of absence means that I am technically still enrolled as a student. I just am on like a little break and I could re-enroll at the end of this break and you know I won't bore you with the logistics of that but you can if you're in law school and thinking about doing the same thing you can work with your deans about like what that break looks like, how long it can be, so on and so forth, because I assume that that varies between law schools, at least a little bit. But yeah, so that's a leave. A withdrawal is just like you are, you're closing the chapter on the book. You're no longer a student. You're no longer enrolled. You're done with law school and you're moving on. And so I think I chose a leave because we are in a pandemic and I may find in heck six months that I really just needed a break from being a student and I was really just burnt out and I do want to be a lawyer. So I wanted to have that option to go back, but I will say this kind of feeds into the third sort of big reason why I chose to take this leave. And it's that I have a lot of doubts that being a lawyer is what I want to do. And I also have a lot of lingering what if thoughts surrounding the work I did in undergrad. Because again, I was very successful in undergrad and whether or not I should have pursued the past my undergrad degree afforded me more seriously and I was talking to a mentor figure from my undergrad the other day and I remember telling him that I wish or I found myself wishing that someone from undergrad and I wasn't like I told him I was like I'm not calling you out specifically there's no way you would have known this I'm just like speaking hypothetically, that I wish someone who I had interacted with in undergrad came to me and said, look, you have a really great path planned out to becoming a lawyer, but are you sure you don't want to explore another path? No one said, hey, you have done a lot of work in journalism throughout these four years. Like, are you sure you don't want to look into like jobs as a journalist or master's degrees in journalism, like just to see what's out there? No one really came to me and, you know, questioned the path that I was on because no one really questions you when you're a good student saying you were going to law school. They just think, oh, of course, like you're a good student. You know, my major wasn't like, there's really no major that's super far off from law school, but English and law do pair really well together. So no one really thought anything of it. They were like, oh, awesome. That, like, good for you. And I think because of that, I didn't really think to question myself either. Like I didn't stop to take a break and say, whoa, is this really what I want to do? Because at the end of the day, I didn't choose any sort of like poli-sci, government, philosophy, even pre-law. I know some, my school specifically didn't offer pre-law, but like I know some schools do. I didn't choose any of those. And there's a reason why I didn't choose to major or minor or concentrate in any of those things. 
and chose English, specifically writing and mass communication, so a more technical side of English over all of that. And so why didn't I take the time to ask myself if I wanted to do something with it? So I think at the end of the day, I just realized that I needed time to not be a student, not be a law student, and to really just think about what I want to do and what I see myself not only being successful at because I think I get a little blinded by the tangible academic success because you could say I was successful in undergrad and I was also successful in law school but just because I was successful at both doesn't mean I should pursue both like it just because I did well in law school doesn't mean that it's the right choice for me and you always hear your first year of law school that like that first year is to weed out the people who I'm gonna, I, I don't like phrasing it this way, but it's to weed out the people who aren't capable of being there. And I don't like that word capable. I'm trying to think of like another word, but I think I realized that not only is the first year weeding out the people who may academically not be ready for law school, I think it also weeds out the people who don't really want to be there or who aren't sure they want to be there or who aren't ready. <laughs> to be there for reasons that or for reasons that have nothing to do with academics. Like academically I was ready to be there. I proved that. But I think emotionally, mentally, professionally, I wasn't ready to be there. And that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, arguably a harder pill to swallow than being academically incapable because in a way that's almost out of your hands. But I really had to like no one was going to stop me with how well I was doing, I had to really look myself in the eye and say, maybe you aren't ready for this. And that's what I ended up doing. I'm like out of breath. This is crazy. That's kind of like the three pillars really of what was going on. And like the main, like if someone asked me like, what were your reasons? These were kind of the reasons. But I do want to talk a little bit about my experience kind of just like losing sight of myself and losing sight of taking care of myself. Because I think even if you're choosing not to, you know, take a leave of absence, withdraw, pivot from whatever school or work you're doing, I think it's really important to have this conversation. Because if I can help anyone recognize that like these things shouldn't be happening, then that will be worth it. Because for a really long time, I thought that these things were normal and I just don't think they are at all. And I'm realizing that there's a lot that I personally have to work on that underlies a lot of these things. So just to jump into it, so my mental health was easily the worst it's ever been in the past year for very obvious reasons. I mean, we're in a pandemic. I know I'm not alone in feeling like this was my worst mental health year, but I think that for me, it is partly because of the pandemic and partly because of law school, as you guys are probably gathering. But for me personally, in my own like mental health journey, I have always suffered with anxiety like since I can remember like, yeah, literally I have memories in like middle school that I think 23 year old Kylie can recognize now were like definitely signs of anxiety, just like general anxiety disorder. But I feel like I was not far along in my own mental health and self-care journey with anxiety and I wasn't far enough along in understanding my own anxiety, my own triggers, and how to cope with that anxiety to be able to handle the stress of law school. 
like I said, law school is notoriously stressful. I'm pretty sure I read a study once and don't quote me on this, definitely do your own research. But I want to say that like something like 90%, like a crazy high statistic of or crazy high percentage of law students experience like above average stress. Actually, let me look this up. Okay, so this is from the Dave Nee Foundation. So I won't read you all of them. Looks like this is a foundation based in North Carolina. Or no, New York, sorry. So do with that what you will. But so depression among law students is 8 to 9% prior to matriculation. So prior to entering law school, 27% after one semester, 34% after two semesters, and 40% after three semesters. Or sorry, three years. Stress among law students is 96% compared to 70% of med students and 43% of graduate students. Um, entering law school, law students have a psychological profile similar to that of the general public, and after law school, 20 to 40% have a psychological dysfunction. Only half of lawyers are very satisfied or satisfied with their work. Lawyers are the most frequently depressed occupational group in the U.S. So yeah, I think you guys get the point with the statistics. Law school is incredibly stressful and statistically speaking, more stressful than a lot of other graduate schools. And I think after all, I'm 23 years old. I came to law school fresh out of undergrad and I don't have any perspective outside of being a student. And so I think because I had gotten through undergrad, knowing I had anxiety and getting through it and looking back fondly on it, that I was ready for law school. And I, in hindsight, don't think that's the case. And I don't necessarily blame myself for not realizing that, but I do think that that is something that really hindered me and something that I would urge anyone else considering law school to really sit down and think about and sit down and be honest with yourself about where you're at in your own personal mental health journey. Because for me, I felt like I was starting behind the starting line and behind everyone else. And it was just impossible to catch up. I don't know if that like analogy makes sense, but if I had started at the starting line at the very least, like maybe it could have been better, but I just did not have the coping skills and the self-awareness of my own anxiety triggers to be able to properly cope with them as well as the added stress and anxiety that law school brings to even the mentally healthiest of them all. So yeah, I think it's also to point out that I only knew how to be a good student because again, I only had the perspective of a student. So I only knew how to be a good student and I only knew how to be praised as a student and I think that again, I thought that in undergrad, you know, I had figured it out. And so in a way I thought in law school, I'll figure it out again, but you learn really quickly in law school that you do have to change your study habits and you do have to sacrifice your work-life balance in order to be successful. And, you know, kind of realizing that and then realizing the fear that I had in losing being a good student and being academically praised was incredibly overwhelming. I think I also want to point out that I'm a first-generation college student and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to be academically successful because I know how important it is to my parents to, for me to be educated and I was kind of raised being told that going to college and going to grad school was an incredible privilege and one that my parents wished they had and one that they really wanted myself and my brothers to have and 
because of that, I put a lot of value on education as I, as I should, you know, education, higher education is incredibly valuable, at least in my opinion and for my life experience. But I think that I felt so much pressure to be successful at it because I had the chance to do it. I mean, I had two people who I love very dearly who didn't have this chance, who wish they had this chance. And so I didn't want to blow it. I wanted to take it seriously and show them that I understood how privileged I was and that I wasn't going to take advantage. And I think that led to a lot of internal pressure that I put on myself to be the best of the best that wasn't necessarily needed. Essentially, kind of putting all of those feelings together, I think it led to me feeling like I existed in what I've been calling the law school cage. I just, I felt so trapped and I felt like I was just trapped in this cage. You know, I locked the door to from the outside and I so desperately wanted to get out. But that external and internal pressure and my success in the first semester and my own fear of changing my path and being considered a failure for leaving law school or quitter for leaving law school kept me trapped, kept that door locked. And it was at that point where I started to have some really scary thoughts because I just didn't see any way out of law school. I just thought that that door would never open. I thought that I was in too deep and that this path was set in stone. And I just, I had to become a lawyer. I had to finish law school. I had to become a lawyer. I had to practice law. And I knew the life I wanted to live and it wasn't that. And I thought that it was too far gone. I thought that the life that I wanted to live or the life that I saw myself happy with or the life that I wanted to explore was too far in the past for me to go back to. I also think that I really, really wanted people to know how miserable I was because it felt like I, that doesn't sound right, but it felt like since October, I had been telling people something isn't right. I am not happy something's not right and it just kept getting dismissed whether people and this wasn't everyone wasn't everyone by any means but it was enough people for me to feel this way but it felt like it got dismissed because law school is hard or dismissed because i'm just a perfectionist or you can't drop out you're so lucky like whatever the excuse is it just felt like anytime i said how miserable I was, there was an excuse shot back at me as to why I should stay. And that didn't help with feeling trapped. And I think part of me like almost hoped something bad would happen to me so that people would see how miserable I was. Like it sounds awful. Like I know it sounds awful, but like I thought like, well, if there's some sort of like physical manifestation of how miserable I am, then maybe someone will finally listen to me. And that's when I knew when I started to have these thoughts, when I started wishing harm (laughs) upon myself just as a way to get out that I needed to tell someone. And this is, you know, me telling you if you're out there listening that if you are having any sort of harmful or suicidal thoughts, that that is not normal. And that is a sign that something is wrong, not with you, but something in your situation and circumstances is wrong. And it is okay to ask for help. Like that is the right thing to do is to tell someone, even if it's just a hotline, which I will leave the National Suicide Hotline in the description of this episode if anyone needs it. So literally use that right now. If that's how you're feeling, don't even continue this episode. But when I started to have those thoughts, especially because I've never in my life ever, even when I was the most anxious and most depressed I've ever been, never had these thoughts before. That's when I knew that I wanted to tell my parents, so I did. And I would be lying if I said that it wasn't a really tough 
tough night. My parents are great. My parents are incredibly supportive. The last thing I want to do is paint them in a bad light, but I'm sure a lot of people my age understand that, you know, we're growing up in a time where mental health is way less taboo, way more talked about and accepted. And I think a lot of our parents didn't necessarily grow up in that time. And so I think that there was a lot of uh, stigma around everything that I was talking about with my parents. And they had a lot of assumptions about how things would go down based on where my mental health was. And it, it was just a hard night. But at the end of the day, I think it definitely made my relationship with my parents stronger. And I think that I unfortunately needed to hit this rock bottom and have this really tough night with my family. And I think they kind of needed it too to see how unfit I was to continue law school, if that makes sense. I don't want to say that I'm unfit. It's not that I'm unfit, but that it wasn't the right fit for me at this time to continue law school. And that, I mean, again, it, it was the scariest thing I've ever done is to go to my parents and admit these really scary thoughts to them. And I harbor a lot of guilt over worrying the people that I love in my life on that night because I didn't know what else to do. And I'm, I'm learning to forgive myself for that because I do know that I made the right choice in telling someone. I just think that I could have been a bit more considerate in doing so, but that's not to say that like seriously, like if you are struggling, like my DMs are always open, like please, please, please tell someone. I just wanted to point out that like I, I am dealing with that guilt, but I'm working it through in therapy. I know I, I did the right thing and we can only move up from here. So in the end, I think that I was really suffering with situational depression. And I think that's something that I have struggled with in the past. I, first of all, I haven't received any sort of like diagnosis of this or anything, and I don't know everything about mental health. So check with your doctor, check with your therapist, like do not take me at my word here. I feel like situational depression doesn't get brought up often. You know, everyone knows depression and this, I feel like it's kind of framed in this idea that I don't want to say it like can randomly pop up. Like there doesn't necessarily need to be something that happens to trigger depression. Sometimes it just comes on on its own, but I've never really experienced depression at least, experienced anxiety coming on for no reason but I've never really experienced depression coming on for no tangible reason. I've only ever experienced situational depression and I can only think of one other time that I dealt with it in my life and it wasn't nearly this bad. So yeah, so I feel like that's something if you're in therapy, if you've been talking to your doctor about mental health and any of this is sort of resonating with you, I think that's worth mentioning. I know I'm kind of working it through with my therapist, but like I said, I don't think it's talked about that much. So I figured I would throw that out there, but definitely check with, you know, your personal mental health <laughs> expert provider, whoever it may be, to double check me because I don't know everything. So that's kind of the mental health aspect of it all. This is definitely really hard for me to talk about and I'm sure I left stuff out and this part might have sounded very like jumbled and all over the place, but you know, it is tough for me to talk about and I would be happy to talk about this a bit more in detail and a bit more organized a little bit further down the line. This is very raw still for me. Obviously wanted to mention it because again, if you're experiencing anything like that, the hotline's in the description. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to reach out to it and then reach out to a therapist and really talk about this because you should not be feeling that way. And yeah, so we will put a pin in that for now and move on to how I filed the leave of absence in law school. So a good friend of mine at my law school, when I told her that I thought this was the best choice for me, she had spoken with a dean at my school before for, you know, reasons entirely separate from this. And she had a really great experience with this dean. So she recommended I reach out to her 
And I did, and this dean was so unbelievably kind, so helpful, and so validating. I mean, I could not have had a better experience. And I think now's a good time for me to point out that I still don't want to say where I went to law school, and I probably will never say where I went to law school, both for my own privacy still, and because I did not leave, and I did not take this leave, because of anything my specific law school did. I really think that a lot of my reasons stem from stress and anxiety that came from law school as an institution and would have happened regardless of what law school I went to. And so I just really want to emphasize that, you know, this is because of my own personal reasons and my desire to pivot my career path that I left my law school and not the law school itself. So I'm not even going to say what it is so that that comparison can't even be drawn. But yeah, so once I chatted with the dean, she was totally understanding and respected me wanting to take a leave and was willing to chat with me about, you know, whether taking it before or after my finals was the right choice and was just such a great support person in this time and she even told me that if she had it her way she wouldn't let anyone start law school fresh out of undergrad because she also believes that you know you need a few years out of school and exploring something else to know whether or not you really want to be a lawyer and whether or not law school is really for you uh, which was a very validating conversation so from there she sent me the form I printed it filled it out scanned it and sent it to her I met with financial aid a few times just to make sure all those ducks were in a row and then I was done and my leave was filed and I have to say the relief I felt when I submitted that form is the most relief I've ever felt in my life yeah it just I kept saying that it felt like Kylie like me was just like circling around in the universe somewhere as woo-woo as that sounds and when I submitted that form I just came back into myself and I felt like me and I wouldn't trade that feeling for the world. I really wouldn't and that's how I know that I made the right choice for me. But now we'll get into the section I appropriately titled Now What? So I've had the last couple of weeks to just solely do nothing and think about how I want to move forward to continue working on my mental health and rest and rejuvenate and all of that fun stuff. And it's been really nice to just do nothing. And now, as I said it earlier in the episode, I'm returning to the company I interned for last summer to work in their marketing department. And between you, me, and the microphone, I really, really, really want to get hired there full-time. I recognize that logistically speaking, I just don't know where they're at with taking on a new hire, but I'm hopeful and I'm trying not to, you know, be too hopeful because at this point I know that I'll be devastated if I don't get it, but also I just really want it. (laughs) But we'll see. I'm obviously applying, and that's another thing I should say, I'm applying to other jobs as well not putting all my eggs in that basket, of course. I'm hoping to be employed by the end of the summer. We'll see. And yeah, so that's the plan is to get a full-time job. And if I can find something that I really, really like, then I think law school will kind of be a closed chapter, at least for now. My law school, and I don't know if this varies with different law schools, but my law school made it sound like I'd be able to reapply 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and return. I would obviously have to redo the first year, but it was kind of a shit year anyways. Maybe I need to redo. (laughs) But yeah, so I do want to point out also before we wrap up the episode that I realized that I might have made it sound like you shouldn't go to law school straight out of undergrad and I don't necessarily want that to be like a main takeaway from this episode. I think that if you really want to be a lawyer and you really can't see yourself doing 
anything other than being a lawyer, then by all means, go to law school straight out of undergrad. But I do think that if there's any sort of desire in you while you're an undergrad to pursue another career path, that you should take a few years and pursue that path before you decide to go to law school because you don't leave a stone unturned, don't leave with any regrets because you deserve to do what you want to do. You deserve a career and a life that you don't want to run away from. And that's what I'm trying to give myself back in taking this leave. I'm trying to allow myself to explore other paths so I can figure out what life I don't want to run away from. And yeah, so again, my DMs are always open. I'm more than willing to chat because I know this episode is probably all over the place. So if you have any questions for me or just want to talk or anything at all, definitely shoot me a DM. I am more than happy to talk. If you are experiencing any sort of scary or suicidal thoughts, please visit the national hotline in the description of the episode and talk to someone you trust, whether it's your therapist, your mom, your grandma, even your dog, and get help. And because you don't deserve that, you don't deserve to feel like that. And yeah, that's it for this episode. If you have a chance, make sure to leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get our show out to other listeners and helps us see what you guys are loving about the show. And follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. And we'll be back with Anya for a new episode next Tuesday. Bye guys. Bye.